And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Inside the Cage. I am Terrell Campbell. And I am your man, Jerome Spann. And this is your home for MMA, pro wrestling, and you get to learn a little bit about shenanigans. But not to mention, during this impressive time, you get to hear a little bit about what, Jerome? Football! That's right. All right, so ladies and gentlemen... I say, hey, we recently just had a big UFC fight happen between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. And ladies and gentlemen, Khabib, 29-0, undisputed lightweight champion, has you know, formally announced his retirement from the sports of mixed martial arts. Jerome, what is your opinion of, you know, like I say, Khabib going out on top? Well, um, for starters... I would say congratulations to Khabib. You know what I mean? Uh, congratulations on, a, on an excellent career. Um, for, you know, being a guy who was utterly dominant in your division, someone who, um, you know, even though I, me and you have discussed this many times on the show where we, we try and kind of push people away from looking at athletes as role models, right? We try and, you know, get them to understand that they're humans. But, like, when they do, you could use the terms with Khabib of saying like, you know, that's someone that you would want your kids to be like, right. If that's the type of person that you're inclined to be, to make, you know, to have your kids looking at, uh, you know, athletes as idols. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody for this. And I don't think we ever have faulted people. We're just trying to tell them it's not necessarily the smartest decision because, you know, you put people up on a pedestal, they're bound to let you down, plain out and simple. Well, regardless though, um, he was a, classy champ i mean <clears throat> i know some people will try and knock him for the incident that happened when you know after the fight with conor mcgregor but if you know anything about khabib you understand that the reasons why that happened so if we're, if we're gonna you know take account for the actions and how everything got to that point well you and i both know that during that time there were two guys specifically trading in a lot of racism in their promotion. And that was Conor McGregor, and that was, uh, uh, oh my goodness, Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, right? We, we, we can both say that pretty fair, right? That well, Chael was, was outside of the promotion by that time. But he was still trading racism. I didn't say he wasn't. I'm just saying he wasn't in the UFC. Actually. No, but that's the point, though. It's like, those two guys, big names, they were both really big and they, they were at the point they were because they started trading a lot of the racism, right? And so, along with that racism, okay, came, you started talking about Khabib's family, then you talked about his religion. Now, for those that don't know, Khabib is a Muslim. He is a devout Muslim at that, too. He takes his religious beliefs very, very, very serious. So, when Conor McGregor decided to take it to that point, you know, it, it, it went from being a fight that this was personal now and right or wrong i'm not saying right all I, my point to you is this is that let's not lose sight of how this all got there and it got there because we sat there and we were okay with these guys trading the racism i'm not saying we as in me and you but i'm saying we as in a society were okay with this dude trading that racism okay so that's how we got there 
Regardless, though, that's the only blemish on, you know, Khabib's record of anything. Guy never lost. You know, he went in there and, <coughs> excuse me, he finished guys in a multitude of ways. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was it was so telling about Khabib the way that he finished the fight, the transition from the armbar to the triangle. And the reason why I say that is, if you hadn't seen uh Daniel Cormier's analysis after the fight when him and um, Ariel Hawani were doing their show, right? You know, they got their pa- uh, their podcast now. Um, DC brought up the, a text that he got from Khabib, and essentially Khabib had said to him that, hey, I switched from the armbar to the triangle because I heard him say all week long how he wouldn't tap. He said no matter what he did, he wasn't going to tap. And so in Khabib's mind, what he said was that he didn't want to injure this man in front of his family like that. So what he did is is that he put him to sleep because, hey, he can just push to sleep and wake up. You're okay. How crazy is that, man? you got to be some type of savant when you're literally forming your game plan based off of the little small things that somebody says in an interview. But for Khabib, it was a great career. I'm sad to see that it's ending right now, right? Because I'm a big fan of his. I've enjoyed watching him um, do his business in the UFC. Like, he has done nothing but entertain me personally. But I understand his logic of why he decided that it's time for him to step away. This was always something that him and his father were in together on, right? They were 100% in together on, hey, MMA is our thing. We're going to make you the greatest fighter in the world, right? We're going to dump all of our resources and everything into this and all of our time. And, and man, he lost he lost that man, you know, and that's a huge part of his life. So I'm not one that's going to fault him or say, oh, man, Khabib, you should pick it back up. You know, you did it too soon. Gotta... No, nah, man, you made the decision to fight for you. If you want to now go spend more time with your family and your friends and stuff, you have that right, brother. You earn that right. And hey, you always have my respect. And as far as this conversation about who is the GOAT, Liz done a lot, but he still ain't done John Jones numbers. And I know John has got a lot, you know, outside of the cage, especially. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of baggage there. I don't, you know, I don't uh dispute that fact. But he's still the GOAT. Like, Khabib is probably the greatest at that weight class that we've seen, right? It's probably, like, I'd be hard-pressed to give you anybody else that's an argument against him being the best at that division. But if you're asking me the best of all time, that is still John Jones. As a matter of fact, there's still a part of me that would even still put him behind Anderson Silva. See, here's the thing, like, and and... I have to be like, say, 120% honest about this one is that, yep, yeah, I, I, I'm all in favor, of, like, say, Khabib getting the GOAT status because of what he has put forth in the sport in his weight class. What I'm not in favor of is someone like John Jones trying to knock the rankings for making key. For ranking Khabib the number one best pound for pound fighter right now. They're not saying he's the greatest of all time over Jones, but like John Jones had to pull up, oh, these were my first title fights. Okay, yes, you beat legends, but let's just analyze. 
you barely survived against Dominic Reyes. That was your only fight of 2020. And you mean to tell me that you coming out with a decision win and, and Khabib going in there in his last two outings and finishing these guys, a Dustin Poirier, a, a Justin Gaethje, you mean to tell me that that guy doesn't deserve the number one power for power ranking? No, he definitely deserves it. You know, it's, it's like I say, John Jones' feelings got hurt because he wasn't considered the number one pound for pound fighter right now. But dude, your last fight was in February and you barely won it. it believe me, like I say, there's a lot of people that looked at that fight and thought Reyes won it. So, I mean, you can't really, you know, like I say, Pound for pound means, like, say, you're a dominant champion. You're, well, no, I, I shouldn't even say that because there are pound for pound fighters that are in the rankings that aren't champions. But pound for pound means you're a dominant fighter. You're a great fighter. Let's say you put on magic. John Jones has done some magical things, but in all honesty, Jerome, what was the last thing that John Jones did that was truly impressive inside the octagon? Um, how long ago was that? Who is that his fault? That's three years ago. So okay, we're exactly so fault? wait, wait, wait. So we're supposed to pat a man on the back for something he did three years ago. But who's he fought since then? Like who's who's been worth it to him? Exactly. And you mean to tell me he couldn't finish half these guys? <coughs> but that's again though. See, I think see this is where we're gonna start getting into sticky grounds though, is that you're you're essentially trying to give Khabib the argument of because he's fought better competition more recently that he should become the pound for pound guy. But pound for pound, it's not just what you did recently. It's what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it. Yeah. And John like, Jones, but, but here's the thing. We've seen people jump into the pound for pound rankings after winning a title. Let's say pound for pound doesn't I mean did. how long you've been doing it. It means where your standing is and who, what the competition you've been fighting. John Jones has not been fighting that competition that has been, you know, like say that he's been able to finish. And you're talking about what he fought that uh, he fought Anthony Smith didn't finish him. He fought uh, that Santos guy, dude, like tore um tore a ligament in his leg. John Jones couldn't finish him. Say he fought Reyes. John Jones couldn't finish him. So, if you're the greatest of all time, if you're the pound for pound best fighter, and you're facing a guy on one leg, think about it, Jerome. What's the great phrase that we heard from the great Jim Ross all those years ago? Like a one legged man in an ass kicking contest. Well, that one legged man stayed in that ass kicking contest. Didn't do. Hey, he was on one leg, and Jones couldn't finish him. Jones wasn't afraid to engage with him. Dominic Reyes could have won that fight if it wasn't for the fact that takedowns mean more in mixed martial arts than actual like i don't know striking and advancing but but we're gonna we're gonna say that john jones has merit to say khabib doesn't deserve what he's got khabib has dominated almost every person he's fought he's lost what two he's lost two rounds he's lost two rounds in his ufc career two rounds time out time out but here's my issue, though, right? I can give you the same. The argument that you just gave about John Jones is 
past couple fights, right? I can give you about GSP most of GSP's career. But so, but so GSP like, also, but GSP dominated those fights. GSP wait, dominated wait, 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 a lot of those no, fights. No, 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 no. He won them. He won them convincingly by points, but he did not dominate the fights. Let's stop that because what he would do was go out like you know I love George and I'm not trying to knock him, but what he did and what the, the brilliance of him and Greg Jackson's strategy at that time was that they figured out what the scoring system was and they figured out the way to go in there and outpoint everybody. Okay, so I. I I think it's a fool's errand to sit here and start trying to argue that, oh, because the guy wasn't as impressive in the last couple fights and now he's not the pound for pound. So he still it's... hasn't lost. He still ain't lost, though. But he's got a loss. Listen, he's got a loss, but we both know that loss is nonsensical. It was it's a not a real loss. It's not a real loss. You know that. He technically should have two losses on his belt. Because of the fact that, oh yeah, he did not win that Reyes. You can say he technically should have two losses, but he doesn't. Well, regardless, let's say we're talking about John Jones, we're talking about Khabib, but what we should be talking about now is the actual true GOAT, Anderson Silva, stepping into the octagon one last time I say, for those of you who may be listening to this, like, say, after we record it, I say, it'll be this upcoming Saturday on Halloween. But if you're listening after Halloween, then you miss Anderson Silva's last fight, and shame on you. But, I mean, Jerome, and, and this, like I say, we could talk about this upcoming fight. We could give our predictions. But you know what? It's Anderson Silva's last fight. Jerome, what will forever be Give me like two of your top memories of Anderson Silva. Oh man, top two. Top One two. is easily Forrest Griffin. Oh, the like <laughs> it does not get much better than Forrest than that. Like, like when he knocked that man out going backwards, that's like the ultimate. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the ultimate. Um, but. See, this is where it gets sticky for me, right? Because he's got a lot of great finishes. It would be, you know, I can give you two. It'd be between the triangle choke on Chael and when he dumped truck Chris Lieben. And I and the two are different moments, right? But and I'll explain both my logic in both of them. All right. So with Chael, that was towards the tail end of his career, right? And it showed that he could still manage to persevere through a challenge because it had been some years at that point since Anderson Silva had actually been challenged in, in a fight inside of the octagon, right? Pretty much he had dump trucked almost everybody he fight. He fought at that point, excuse me. But so that showed he could really still persevere, right? And I really didn't want Chael Sonnen to win that fight because, again, the racism thing. <laughs> um but the Chris Levin one, though, is because, like, that was the moment for me when I was like, this guy has something special. Because for those that don't know, it's not like Chris Levin is like this, you know, um, 
world-renowned champion. But what Chris Levin was always known for was being a guy that was next to impossible to finish, right? Like, he's just one of those guys that you could punch him in the face and he was going to always keep coming no matter what you did to him. And uh, if you've never seen that, I would just say go on YouTube and look up Anderson Silva versus Chris Levin. And <laughs> you want to talk about somebody being overmatched. <laughs> oh man that was a that was a good one but those are probably my three because um anderson was you, anybody that's listened to this show for a while he they know he's one of my all-time favorite fighters period like anderson entertained me for you know 10 years of fighting so to me though i give john jones the, the spot at the top now who else would be on that Mount Rushmore? It would have to be Anderson Silva would be the next man in line because he dominated his division for years and years and years. And honestly, if not for the broken leg thing, T, because if you noticed, he's he hasn't never been the same fighter since the broken leg. He hasn't. Like he, there's there's kids of it. You know what I mean? It's part it's part age too, but he's not the same Anderson Silva that was going in there leaning back and punching Forrest Griffin in the face and making this man, you know, collapse on himself. That's not that guy. He he wasn't the guy anymore that, you know, embarrassed Rich Franklin two times. Not just one time, but two times, two times. Very true. They say now for me personally, and I'm surprised you didn't bring this one up. Uh, they say I've got I've got two. Um, one being, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm not gonna say the one that that I'm surprised you didn't bring up, but uh, one being one that you did bring up, and that was the the triangle choke on Chell signing. Because for those who didn't watch that fight, haven't gone back and watched that fight, I think it's available on YouTube. So go ahead, check that out. Yep. But for on UFC's page, but but for five rounds, like well, four and a half rounds, Chell Sonnen did a really good job. Man, it was like four. It was like four rounds and four and ninety nine percent of <laughs> yep. of the fifth round. And and. Then all of a sudden, Anderson got that triangle choke. And the thing is, too, is like, that's that's the mark of a champion. Like, we've seen champions get get that kind of, like, domination on them. Where we're just like, well, they're about to lose this belt. And, just, and that's just the way the fight goes. But Anderson was never out of the fight, you know? And that's where, like I say, that's where you see the true heart of a champion right there. It's because where... Other men would have folded Anderson Silva rose to the occasion. Um, then you also have have my personal favorite moment of his, and I remember this moment vividly. But when it comes down to it, like I say, I remember seeing this moment at a bar. I was standing there watching UFC, and it was Vitor Belfort versus Anderson Silva. And when Silva just let out that kick, 
you just saw the, I just remember seeing like the shock expressions on everybody's face because that kick to Vitor Belfort is a highlight reel. Like everybody says knockout, but it was, it wasn't the knockout. It was the setup to the finish. But even still, that's just a classic moment that showed the true dominance of not only a great champion, but one of the greatest fighters in MMA and a man who, like I say, although, like I say, his celebrations could be a little bit, you know, like I say, a little bit too festive, which they're fighters, they win a fight, it happens. But what are we playing baseball now? What you out here with the unwritten rules now, bro? Come on, man. Did I not just say they're fighters, it happens? Yeah, I'm just saying, though, do I even make the statement? What is it? What are we, baseball now? You can't have fun when you do something good? I mean, we can make that ruling. I disagree. Say, say, if I anything, agree. hey, at least Anderson wasn't doing backflips in the cage and hurting himself, okay? We know we know of a couple guys who've done that. But um, but when, it, when it's all said and done, Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time, and if Anderson Silva ever hears this, Thank you for being one of the best fighters of all time. Uh, we appreciate the seven years of your championship reign where I say, although people criticize him for the Damian Maya fight, we know that was not on you. That was Maya. But all your other fights were amazing. You know, we I say. for getting me into the sport the way that I am. Because he was the guy that I always wanted to see fight. Plain out and simple. And also, we have the same request as Daniel Cormier for your for your last fight against Uriah Hall. Please come out to Ain't No Sunshine, because that would be got to let's say got if, if any other song that would not be Agripo, but Ain't No Sunshine would be perfect to just you know walk into you know. I'm walk glad in. it's Uriah Hall because we know him and Uriah are just gonna go in there and try and fight. Like that's one thing. The, the one thing that Uriah Hall has is probably like going to say that like he hasn't gotten his, you know, his complete game together, right? But what we know is, if you want somebody to go on there and throw strikes and have a good, entertaining fight, he can help give you that. Exactly. But in the meantime, I say that's going to wrap up our MMA portion, ladies and gentlemen. Next, we will be talking a little bit of that football. All right, so Jerome. Football season, and I've got one question for you. What happened to the Bears? As you can see, Jerome is currently very silent. Not a what happened to it's really. Uh, see, he had to take a moment it's, of silence right there if you didn't notice. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not really what happened to them. It's a team finally exposing their flaws. Um, you know, I've talked about this on here <clears throat> this entire season. Jesus, I'm terrible today. Gotta start making sure I'm eating so awful. Sorry, people. I know it's horrible to hear that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna have to start finding myself two dollars for that every time. Um, regardless, though, the Bears' issue is that the entire season, the offense has been crap. I say I don't think anybody will disagree with you on that one. And like this is the story of, you know. But but I will say this, like I say, because I had the like I say ability to watch the Monday night game, um, 
at one of my favorite establishments, Jerome, you already know the place, so I'm not even going to acknowledge it because they're not paying us to, for, for advertisement. But I got to watch it, and just the look of disgust on the face of hat of most of the people inside of that facility was just... Now, granted, I left before the fourth quarter, not because of like just sheer disgust, but mainly because... I had to get home so I could take care of some things, but it was just one of those situations where, come on, man, y'all got to do better. Like we, 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 they say the Bears as a whole have got to do better because we, we do have talent. It's just, it's not executing the way it needs to. And the problem is, is the offense is not executing. And the defense is tired of having to save them. Well, you know, it's the story of our lives as Chicago Bears fans. You know, the offense goes out there and craps the bed, and the defense has to try and save the day. And we've hit a point to where, unfortunately, teams know how bad our offense is, and they're taking advantage of it. And the issue, and one of our issues is, is that our defense isn't as good um, in run defense as they've been in the past three, uh, past two years, excuse me. Well, three years really, because they were a top ten defense even the year before they got Khalil Mack. Um, but their run defense is very poor right now. Okay, so the Rams took advantage of that, and so were they. Where that bites us in the butt is that teams are going to stay on the field for a lot longer, so our defense is out there a lot. And the issue comes in is that it's not so much that like the defense has given up a lot of points because they're not. I mean, even with the Rams playing as well as they did last week, they only scored 24. And that was with the Bears' offense just being the most inept shit I've ever seen in my life, right? Um, but so the defense is, you know, the defense is playing at a good enough level to where we should, where we're going to be in games. But the offense is piss poor. First off, I'm going to touch on this guy. I'm going to touch on Nagy and, and, and shenanigans because I got a lot to say about that guy. So I'll leave him be. But let's just talk about the players that are out here on the field. The offensive line is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay? I, I don't know what else to say beyond in the last in this game against the Rams, Nick Foles got. I say Nick Foles got a lot of pressure put on him during that during the Rams game. But like I say, and, and the thing is too is that the O line, like I say, there are some veteran players there, but they've got to do a much better job of protecting Nick because of the fact that. If if he doesn't have time, he doesn't. There's no time for the receivers to get open. That's when you're gonna make mistakes, and the quarterback's gonna get hit, like quarterback hits, sacks, quarterback pressure. Those are all things that, granted, a casual fan will not pay attention to aside from the sacks, but those are all things that you can analyze and say this guy contributes to the team in this way. And like I say, even our defense will tell. Like say Khalil Mack has the has the best like like say what quarterback pressure and quarterback hits not sacks but he's he's up there like he's leading the league 
in pressure and quarterback hits. And can you really say the same thing, you know, about a lot of other teams? Like our O-line needs to do a lot better because, as I say, we pulled Mitch Trubisky so that we could have, so that we could have Nick Foles. Well, what happens if Nick Foles goes down? We get Trubisky back, and Trubisky, Trubisky seems like the type of guy that his confidence can get shattered relatively easy. You know, so him getting him getting benched may not do well for his confidence. Like I say, especially like okay, they were losing in a game. That happens. Nick Foles comes in, they win the game, but. If you look at that, like Trubisky, I'm not going to say he did a great job, but they had a winning record at the time. You know, I mean, it's it's almost similar to what my, almost similar to what Miami did. Oh, we're going to put this other guy in while you're winning. Like, it makes no yeah. sense. Well, Wolf is uh, better than Trubisky. He can actually find this information. The problem is the polls are offline that he can't move. You know, if he, if the pressure gets him, Nick Foles is done. Trubisky could at least keep the pressure alive. You can't I say, say, we'll see. Uh, we're we're, we're going to have to see what happens, like I say, in this Saints. In this, is, I mean, we, well, we're going to have to see how what happens in this Saints game because our defense has to show up because we know our offense is going to be, let's say, abysmal so the defense needs to show up you know like I say i was having a cold conversation at the establishment with a former employee that worked there and they were saying the same thing so who knows maybe i'll be able to get this former employee on the podcast sometime we'll see what happens because this person really knows football okay uh but in the meantime let's just skip out of football and jerome you know what time it is it's time. Shenanigans. Yep, for Spans Shenanigans. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the moment y'all have been waiting for. It's time for Spans Shenanigans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mind of a Madman. I welcome you all here. You know we're all here to have a good time. You know, I've got some uh, wide range of stories here for you. Some will be fun. Some will be serious. At the end of the day, I'm going to try and leave you with a smile on your face and, you know, with a little more knowledge in your brain. You know, you might have missed some of these things um, that are happening. So figure I'll bring them to your attention. But let's get this party started. And we're going to start here with kind of a serious one. I hate to be Debbie Downer to start. But <sighs> COVID levels continue to surge in, across the country. Ladies and gentlemen, this is exactly what I've uh, been saying to you for all year about this, which is, hey, I wish that we could get more people in our country to take this serious because, unfortunately, with them not taking it serious now, COVID levels are continuing to rise. And for those that don't know, we are already at a point that we were at when everybody started locking things down last year. So that means it's probably going to get even worse because we're entering the cold and flu season. So yeah, um, 
just want to say, man, we got to take this serious. We have to start no matter who is in leadership after this election, which I'm praying it's not Agent Orange, right? But regardless, we got to start taking this serious, people. People are dying. People are getting sick. There are people being left with, you know, ramifications from this that we don't even fully understand yet. Um, let me just give you an example here. We always want to look at our athletes and everything, right? Well, uh, an athlete came back after having COVID. You know what he's saying? I feel like he had brain fog. Imagine that, feeling like you got Alzheimer's when you're young. You got just like this fog just sitting over you. Think about that. That's how crazy this shit is right now, ladies and gentlemen. So please take it serious. If you know people not taking serious, get on their ass. You know, like <laughs> there's no more being nice about it. Just get on their ass, tell them to wear a mask, you know, tell them to be safer. Tell, tell people to stop going to these big ass gatherings. It's not safe out here yet, people. Just because there's a 99% survival rate doesn't mean that the long-term effects that it leaves, that those 99% that they survive, that it leaves them with, it doesn't mean that it's all good. You can still be really, really messed up from this. But moving forward here, uh, you know, sticking kind of sad here to start. Odell Beckham is out for the season. I just want to say, you know, I hope the man has a quick recovery. But uh, this, you know... This is an unfortunate thing that happened, and I just want to say anybody that's out here trying to figure out why Baker Mayfield played better without um, Odell Beckham in the game last week and trying to figure out why is he better without him, well, that's not really a Odell Beckham issue. That's a Baker Mayfield issue. And to me, if you're a quarterback and you can't do better with more talent around you, that's a you problem. Not the talent problem. Okay? That means you're not the quarterback for that team. Plain out and simple. But I looped this in to also call out some more of NCAA hypocrisy and the nonsensical ways that these uh, colleges like to operate. So LSU had some self-imposed sanctions, right? Yep. And part of it, Terrell, was... See. I'm sure you saw all the headlines with that they were all talking about Odell Beckham and the cash thing, right? Yeah. But did you hear anything about the LSU booster, John uh, Fooms, who is the booster and really that's in question right now for why they put these uh, self-imposed sanctions in? Because he was uh, caught giving pay, you know, payments to a parent. And for those that don't know, this money was stolen from a hospital down there by this scumbag. Mm. So, yes, Terrell, people are stealing money from hospitals to pay for college players to come to their school. <laughs> but yet the NCAA is supposed to be so pure and we can't pay the players, though. Right, Terrell? Right? There's not enough money, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, but uh, moving forward here, this year's World Series was the lowest rate. All right, so uh, Jerome, your this year's World Series was lowest was the lowest, lo, was the uh, lowest rated. Was the lowest rated World Series? Yes, it was the lowest rated World Series this year. Hmm. 
unfortunately for them, you know, but they got through the season and it's understandable because we're in some weird times. But I'd only bring this up just to reinforce the point that all those people that were talking about, you know, NBA ratings, they ain't saying a damn word about the World Series ratings being down. And the reason why I call them disingenuous is because, uh, yeah, they. Let's say, let's say. I mean, like I say, the thing is, like I say, LA is like... And they're rating at all time, okay? And they weren't really doing it. So, at this point, it's just what I've told everybody. TV ratings are down. A lot of people have cut the cord. You know, they've realized they can watch stuff online. They're not going to keep wasting... I mean, I kind of take a bit of offense so, that, since that's part of my say, job. Are you dis- I hope you see that they're disingenuous. I hope you can see it. But uh, moving forward here. So uh, I promised you guys I was going to talk about Matt Nagy. So Matt Nagy, okay, this is is why he's in shenanigans this week, Terrell. He's in shenanigans for a very bad reason, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, so Matt Nagy has a tendency to be the guy that tries to outsmart the world as he's uh as he's coaching right he tries to be the smartest man all the time and show everybody how smart he is all the goddamn time right well guess what the offense is super vanilla you're constantly making bad in-game adjustments you ain't getting right matt nagy i'm gonna say this much you and ryan pace both this is a proven year if y'all don't get it right matt nagy you and Ryan Pace can chunk the deuces, and we'll keep it moving. Plain out and simple. I don't care how many wins you've had as, as a Bears head coach at this point. I don't give two shits. Not at all. I don't care that he's had the most amount of wins of any head coach that the Bears have had through this, you know, through this many games in his career, right? I don't care. Because my standard is not just having more wins than any other Bears coach. I need a new standard here to where after you're done, we never accept mediocrity again. Plain out and simple. So Matt Nagy, shape up and ship out, buddy. Plain out and simple. Let's see, and I will, I'll, I'll chime in on that real quick, Jerome, because I don't listen to a lot of sports radio, okay? I don't. Like I say, I watch my sports shows you know, during the morning, but I don't listen to sports radio. I was riding around. Somebody said, when did we? When did Chicago fans be content with regular season wins versus championships? We used to want a championship. Now we're okay being being like, you know, like say having a good good record during the regular season. No, I th- let's just analyze this. I have seen the Bulls, the the Cubs, the White Sox, the Chicago Fire, all win championships and the Blackhawks. I have not in my lifetime seen the Bears win a world I'm sorry. See seen the Bears win a Super Bowl. See, like I say we were talking about the World Series, that kind of just threw me off. But I have not seen the Bears win a Super Bowl. I want to see that. I've seen them go. I want to see them win. Can I do can can we get that one time before I leave this earth? Like like like, I will die a happy man if I can see the Bears win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't care. If the Bears win the Super Bowl and I die the next day, hey, I was happy. That's just me. 
I, and that's the point I'm making. And I think this that's my overall point with a lot of things that I've talked about football related on here, Terrell, including like stuff like Josh Allen, which believe me, Terrell, I'll get back to Josh Allen. In, you know, this season he's been doing exactly what I thought, but I'm gonna just I, I'm gonna let that man live right now because there are some other things that need to be you know talked about that were more pressing than Josh Allen, right? But I don't accept mediocrity. It, mediocrity is not okay. I don't need I don't need just average. I want championships. And for those of you out there that are just okay with being me- mediocre, hey man, I want better for you. You should want better for you. You should not allow these teams to be mediocre. Plain out and simple. But moving forward here, I just want to point something out. So there has been over the past like year, especially. Um, there have been a lot of celebrities that have finally, you know, really spoken up on politics, right? Good or bad, you know, I'm not really trying to get into, you know, who was good, who was bad in this, right? But there have been a lot a lot of people that have been using their voice to be, posit- you know, very positive out here and trying to pass off messages of love and, and trying to help improve the situation of our country, right? One of these people is Mick Foley. Now, Mick Foley's always been a guy who's always been a very kind-hearted soul. Like, everybody knows this. He's always been a guy that really, really, really loves people. Over the past year, Mick Foley has had, especially on his social media, he has really, really, you know, started talking more about politics. And I just want to commend him. I just wanted to take a minute and commend him and people like him that are doing it, that are willing to risk alienating off some of their fan base to do the thing because it's not a look listen we all would love to say that when we're in that position we would do it right easily that we would just do the right thing but that's not true because hey history will tell you that that's not true just in this country alone because hey if we really had that many people that were that virtuous it would never have taken that long to get rid of things like slavery to give people civil rights okay we wouldn't still be in a lot of the situations that we are now so that's just plain on simple so i just gotta say people like that man Appreciate you standing on the right side of history because a man like Mick Foley, you know, he's got everything to lose by standing up for people that don't have these rights. He has everything. Mick Foley's a, you know, he's a he's a guy who's he's a white man who's been able to become a celebrity and live a decently privileged life, right? Because of how hard he's worked for his life. Like I don't want to act like because some guy has just had it handed to him, but he's worked for it, and it's risky putting that on the line, but. Just want to say, as a black man here, seeing a white guy like that willing to risk it all, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? I, I really do. Um, and, and like I say, and I've had the privilege of meeting Mick Foley. Um, and like I say, you're right, kind-hearted guy. Um, I've met his daughter and her boyfriend. Very, very nice people. Like they say, say you know me, I'm always around some kind of wrestling theme convention or something like that and like i say for him to do that like i say because i saw you like say put out the tweet and i watched it and i'm just like you know what mick Mick is doing doing right by people you know i say you can do right by some people but you're not but you could also not do right by other people and he's doing it right for everybody he's doing the right thing so i i I say, Mick Foley, I think you'll get the very first ever inside the cage 
round of applause. Come on, Jerome, let's give it to him. We don't, we don't ever give those out, Mick, but she most definitely get it, right? We appreciate you. But moving forward here, um, the rapper 21 Savage has launched a bank account financial literacy scholarship program. Okay. Why is this important? Because I continually say that we have to do a better job educating our, like our youth, right. And consistently doing better. And, you know, people that are in these positions of power need to help try and empower some of these people that aren't there. Right. And guess what? A young man like 21 Savage, he is doing it. I don't particularly like his music like that, but I appreciate that he is out here trying to do his thing. So I wish him nothing but the success because he is trying to empower so many other people that he doesn't have to. So 21 Savage, big ups to you, my man, for doing what you got to do there. I appreciate you for continuing to try and use your power for the good. Okay. Um, next year, we're getting a little sad, people. I just want to there's one more you. Okay, so I just want to touch on what's going on in Nigeria real quick. So just I'm going to put it to you in kind of some stark terms, and I want to understand that I'm doing this purposely, people, because I want you to understand how serious it is. Okay, so basically, the SARS police down there are like a Gestapo. Okay, they're a police that can do whatever the hell they want to you whenever the hell they want, and there is no um, no recourse on your behalf that you have, right? So the people in Nigeria are fighting against that. What, rec what has recently happened has been absolutely appalling. There have been countless amount of civilians fired on by this police force and murdered. It is appalling. It needs to stop. Part of the reason we need to get back to a sense of normalcy in this country is so that when things like that are going on in countries, we can just... Like I say, it's it's one of those things like I say that as human that, beings, we got to do something. It's got to stop. So in that SARS nonsense. Well, yeah, we got to make sure that, like I say, things like that don't continue to happen. Um, but Jerome, like I say, say, what else do you have for us in shenanigans? All right, Jerome, so. What is the what is the last story you have for us this week for shenanigans? Last story of the week, ladies and gentlemen, is a very, very simple one. In this election time, I know some of you had me on social media, and all I asked for on my birthday was that you know you take our um, take our democracy seriously, and you know make sure you get out there and vote. That's really what I asked. Um. I just want to point out to you that this is the important things. Over eight years, the Obama administration had no indictments, no guilty pleas, no convictions, right? In less than four years, there have been 191 charges, 77 indictments, 26 Russian nationals, six indicted Trump officials, six convictions, five guilty pleas, one in individual one being named in multiple documents and individual one for those that don't know it's agent orange and one in and one impeachment in less than four years we don't get this orange buffoon out of here it's only going to get worse if you have not sent in your mail 
your mail-in ballot, do not put it in the mail. Go find a um, voter box to drop that off in. Go find it. There are a lot of them at your county voting officials' place. Go there, drop it off in the drop box. Find one close to you because a lot of these places and majority of these places are in red states. They're not going to count your vote unless it is in by, like I think it's like 730 on the 3rd. So put it in a drop box. If you put it in a drop box, they have to count it. Plain out and simple. Get it in. Get your damn votes in. Go early vote. Go vote. That's all I got for you this week, though, people. I love all of y'all, man. Each and every week, I try and tell y'all, please stop paying attention to the Kardashians. They do not give a damn about you or your family. Pay attention to science. Pay attention to the stuff that's going on in politics. Pay attention to the world. It'll make you a better person. It'll make your family better. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We need more love in this world, people. We... Say, say, Jerome always like to interrupt me. But ladies and gentlemen, that is Spanish shenanigans for this week. So with all the shenanigans behind us, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go into pro wrestling. And the first thing we want to touch base on is WWE. And the fact that they're building Survivor Series this year. As Raw versus SmackDown, whereas last year it was NXT. Now, for those of you unaware, NXT has had two outbreaks of COVID nineteen within their ranks. They say part, and like I say that's part of the reason why we have not seen Raw Underground in weeks, and that's part of the reason why we haven't seen specific talents around. So the question is, is they like say, hey. Are you in favor of WWE making it just Raw and SmackDown and excluding NXT? Because there's also the report that Vince McMahon is unhappy with NXT because they keep losing the Wednesday Night War to All Elite Wrestling. Well, see, here's my thing. I think the issue that NXT is facing right now is just that the COVID breakout because they're they have shallow depth, I guess you could kind of call it because they have moved up so many people within the past like two years, right? Their depth is not what it once was. So at this point they can't afford a COVID outbreak. You know what I'm saying? They, they just can't plan out and simple. So it's unfortunate that it happened and I would like to see them on the program, right? I would love to see them on Survivor Series. But reality says, man, you like I keep saying here on this show, be safe. We need to be safe. And you can't risk putting one of these guys out there and then having your whole damn locker room get an outbreak. Because then what is WWE going to do? Then they got to shut down the whole operation, bro. So I get it. It's not ideal. And think about it. We, we both know Triple H loves NXT, right? This is not what he wants. And we know he's got a big say in things right now. So they're doing probably what's best for business there. As far as other things that they did, you know, as far as what they did at Hell in the Cell, that's a different discussion. You know, that's... that's, that's you know how I feel, Terrell. You and your Randy Orton... I know you was happy, but they can go to hell. 
my in my opinion, they can go right to hell, and that that instantly made me not interested in what is going to happen right now. As soon as they handed him that title again, it was like, oh, well, don't care about who's got that belt right now. Do you care about do Do you care about Roman Reigns having having the Universal title? I'm sorry, yeah, the Universal title. Yeah, because I like heel Roman Reigns. You know, I've wanted this for years. What do you mean? I love the fact that we got heel Roman Reigns right now. Well, I told everybody, I'm just like, dude, go back and look at like some of the stuff they used to do on like, like NXT. You know, before it was like, say this, you know, like say thing that you had ready access to. There were clips of Roman Reigns cutting promos as a heel, and I'm like, this is good. Why don't they let him do this? And they and granted, like say they play more to the to his Samoan heritage when it comes to like say this version of it, but I enjoy it. And like say they they put the icing on the cake for me when they had Alpha and Sika come out and don him with like say the lay of the you know like say the status lay. I, I I'm I'm not Samoan like say and I don't know many, so I don't know the actual technical term for what he did, what they actually put around his neck, but. They say he's. They say, say the man. They say the man came back. He looks better than ever, um, and his promo skills have, like, jumped up immensely. Like if this would have been the version of John of Roman Reigns that had that match against John Cena and they were doing the promo beforehand, this version of Roman Reigns would have like torse would have had at least a leg to stand on in a verbal bout with Cena, but. Like I say, but like, you know, like I say, because the thing is, is you like, you put him with Paul Heyman. Okay, we think Heyman's going to be the mouthpiece. Heyman is not doing as much as people thought he would. Like, if you really look at what Heyman, like, Heyman has always been the mouthpiece for Brock. Like, that's the thing. And Heyman even said when he was with uh, Chicago legend CM Punk, it's like, it's like, Morris Day and the Child, like like CM Punk is Morris Day and I'm Jerome. Well, <laughs> now Paul Heyman, it's he's not necessary. It was they say say no, he, he is. You're wrong, and you're jumping to the conclusion too quickly. See, I'm not. I'm not See? saying. I'm not no. saying. I'm not. I'm not you're saying wrong. he's. I'm saying he's not necessary in the fact that Roman absolutely needs him to talk for him for real though think about this it's the perfect thing that we've been asking them to do with a lot of these wrestlers that we know because like look we both like roman reigns right we want him to succeed but we also understand what his flaws are and roman if you let him talk too much on the mic it's gonna be a problem we know that like we've seen where they tried to let him talk too much and it's just like ooh. Baby, ooh, oh no, no. <laughs> that's why if you notice, like over the past like two years, before he got uh before he had got sick and had to take that time off, right? They did a lot of, you know, short burst talking with him, and then he's then he's fighting. You know what I mean? It wasn't a lot of long winded stuff. 
now because he has the ability to have someone like a Paul Heyman, which which is something we ask for with a lot of wrestlers, which is give them again a valet that can take some of that pressure off of being on the mic night after night, having to come up with creative stuff and work this crowd. It's the perfect play because hey. Roman, you're only going to, like, if you don't have Paul Heyman there, like, from the start with him being this and being there all along this way, it wouldn't appear as Roman's going full heel. You know what I'm saying? It would have been like, oh, well, you know, he's about to turn back. It's like, no, he's got Paul Heyman, so we know what that means. He is full in on the heel. They didn't do a short working program where it was like, oh, we're going to do this for two months and then be done. They're like, no, we are in 100% on Roman Reigns, and this is what we wanted to see, the heel Roman Reigns, the different side, so his character actually has some depth. So we can't sit here and not turn it around and just, like, be like, well, he's not necessary, he's not necessary. Like, no, he, in, in the words of a dude that I hope loses the rest of his fights, Jorge Maldivall, super necessary. I like Paul Heyman with Roman Reigns. Don't get me wrong. I say it's just gotten to that point now where it's like, like if you go back and watch the match with Jay Uso and Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman had more like, like he's, and that's the beauty of Heyman, like his facials and his actions during matches, like can tell a story. I mean, think about it. Everybody remembers the face that that one dude made at WrestleMania 30 when the streak was broken. But how many people, like, forget that Paul Heyman slid in the ring with his mouth covered, like, like he covered his mouth with his hands, and you could just see his eyes almost bulge out of his skull. And if you watched Hell in a Cell, you could see, like, he legit, like, had concern for Jay Uso. Like, and then when Jimmy got involved, he had concern for Jimmy. And you just, and like I say, we're seeing that side of Roman that we've been dying to see. We, we're seeing, you know, like I said, the thing, the thing that made him so popular within the, within the shield was he was this badass that just, that talked a little bit and fought and he just wrecked people. And then they took him away from that when they wanted to push him to be the biggest, the biggest star of them all. Well, now he's the badass that's talk, talking a bit and fights, but he fights on his own time. Like he's almost doing like the Brock Lesnar thing where he's a prize fighter and he fights when he wants to under his conditions. So, I mean, this is, like I say, this version of Roman, I'm on board with, no, no questions. I say, because he loves to like just tell Paul Heyman to just shut up. And I just think that's one of the most entertaining things because you have one of the greatest like managers of all time and you're telling them, shut up. I don't need you to do this for me. But in the meantime, Jerome. Yes. Okay. It took you a while there. No, no, I was just, I was waiting. I thought she was about to say something. Then you didn't say that. I, was like, I oh, said Jerome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I thought there was a question getting ready to come behind that. It was. It was. I went the response, and the question is: Is AEW All Elite Wrestling 
made some changes to one of their biggest stars that is kind of working for me. And that man's name is Kenny Omega. Now, like I say, for those of you who have not watched All Elite Wrestling, Kenny Omega has, has, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to narrow this down to All Elite. I'm going to, I'm going to make it so that it's known. Kenny Omega was a huge star in New Japan Pro Wrestling, okay? Like, the guy was one of their most popular guys ever. And even even reports go, like, when the Young Bucks said, oh, we're not going to resign with New Japan, nobody cared. But when Kenny Omega said, oh, I'm leaving, it was, like, the biggest blow to New Japan Pro Wrestling and to that fan base, to the point in which they don't even want him coming back into the country based off reports. So when he came to All Elite Wrestling, we thought we were going to get Kenny Omega. We didn't quite get that Kenny Omega, but now we're starting to get that Kenny Omega because, they like say, he's got the grand entrance now. He's got the girls coming out with the brooms, which are an homage to his nickname, The Cleaner. And they like say, he has this fabulous entrance. I mean, his match against Sonny Kiss lasted 26 seconds. You know what that means? That means look look at look at all the TNT title matches that Cody has had. Look at a lot of the matches that have been on All Elite Wrestling. They were having like like solid like mid-card guys going up against lower card guys for 20 minutes. Now, granted, I am not knocking Sonny Kiss. I think Sonny Kiss is like say a tremendous talent. But Sonny Kiss is nowhere near the level of a Kenny Omega. And if Kenny Omega would have went 20 minutes with Sonny Kiss, I would have been like, okay, what is going on here? But 26 seconds, that's telling you, okay, we're starting to make this division between top-tier stars and, you know, mid- and lower-card guys because they say no, there's no way that Kenny Omega should go 20 minutes with a Sonny Kiss, with someone like a Marco Stunt. Jungle Boy, maybe. Luchasaurus, yes. Uh, like Trent, yes. Chuck Taylor, eh, give him 10. But Kenny Omega as the cleaner coming back, heck, as the cleaner. I'm in. I'm no pun intended. All in on that. No pun intended. My ass. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, isn't this exactly what you would want, though? Don't you want, you know, him to be used in this way because that's supposed to be the. You know, the, the appeal of AEW is that they're using the wrestlers in the way that, you know, it's viewed generally that they should be used. So, again, I just have to applaud them for being smart enough to take the talent that they have, you know, and whatever they acquire and let these guys thrive. You know, I, um, I think they're approaching a point of critical mass, though, in the sense of all right, you've got enough names now, and now you need to start like building up some guys out of your own and really making them like super known commodities. You know what I'm saying? Like you have a bunch of you have guys now. Like you have enough of a roster of guys that have already had an established name, but now you got to start building up 
more stars and making them household names. You got to start getting these guys out here on the ESPNs doing interviews and like really start showcasing your personalities more to people and, you know, increase your market share. That's really what I'm, how I'm looking at it is because once you're able to have guys like a Kenny Omega there, that gives you a, a, a validation almost, you know what I'm saying? And when you're using him in the correct manner as they are, that validates it again. So it's like, now I just want to see the next step forward and start making some of these, you know, mostly known for AEW guys into superstars. Now, now I have a question for you. Okay. And I, I, I want to exclude two names from this list. Outside of John Moxley and Chris Jericho, who do you think is the most well-known person from AEW? Cody Rhodes. Take him out the mix. And Kenny Omega. That's where it gets sticky for me. Right. Because, like I say, there's, I say, because of the fact that, like I say, you've got, and when you look at that, and when you look at, like say, those, like say, the first three names I said take out, they all, you know, built a name up elsewhere, you know? And then when you add in Kenny Omega, he built his name up elsewhere. But the casual wrestling, but like that casual wrestling fan is not going to know who Kenny Omega is. They're just going to be like, okay, it's some guy, you know, whatever. But you hear Cody's name and it's just like, wait. And mind you, like I say, wrestling fans, when they're talking about Cody, they don't call him just Cody. They say Cody Rhodes, and then somebody who is not too familiar, like, like wait, Rhodes isn't like Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, it's his son. Like, oh, you know, like I say, you know, Chris Jericho has all his outside projects. John Moxley, like I say, he's, he's like I say, he's been in a movie, um, and, you know, like I say, he's, like I say, just well-known. He he made the PWI 500 number one in the world. So I don't think we discussed that last time. So congratulations to to John Moxley, but like I say, AEW, like I say, say they have two, they have about three stars on their roster that could be breakout talents for them if, like, say they get the right platform, and and those three stars, MJF, because that man lives his his persona that man lives his persona and he's so he's talks his mic skills are phenomenal and he's a great wrestler um the next will be hangman page because the guy can go and say i mean uh, he, and, and and to a lot of women he will be uh, he would be you know like say pleasing to the eye you know he's got the whole cowboy thing so that goes for that and then last but not least, and this is probably the one that like needs to be elevated the highest, Jungle Boy. Cause I say Jungle Boy has a story that like literally you could get any entertainment channel to do it. You know, like I say, because he is the son of the late great Luke Perry. They say the guy, the guy looks like a 90s teenage heartthrob. He can wrestle, like I say. Now, how well he can talk—that's left to be that's left to be seen because I say he doesn't talk much, but I say the guy the guy has it. He has he has a certain appeal to him, you know. The only other person 
that I would even throw remotely into that list would be Darby Allen. Because, because, and I know some people will be like, well, what about Orange Cassidy? Orange Cassidy has shown more to me in the last few months than I thought I'd ever see from him. And I commend that man. That man has done a fabulous job, but his whole shtick is he doesn't talk. So, you know, it would be kind of hard. Whereas, like, say, someone like Darby Allen, he does talk. He does, like, say, skateboard. You know, he's had Steve-O in one of his promos. The guy can, and the guy is one of the most talented guys out there. I mean, outside of those guys, like, like, AEW, like I say, those, those are the ones who I would push to the front of the line to move them up to the higher uh, echelon. Because, you know, some of these other, some of the other talents could be a little bit rougher, you know, like say, the casual fans' consumption, like to get on like ESPN. Because, you know, like, I wouldn't necessarily want to have Orange Cassidy talking on, you know, ESPN for about, you know, like five minutes about, you know, random things, random sports or, or about like say wrestling or anything like that. Cause that's not who he is. His gimmick is he doesn't care. Blah blah. blah. Well, a guy who doesn't care is not going to go on ESPN. Um, you know, like I say, Brian Cage is a massive man, but like I say, I don't think he's the greatest stick guy. You know, and then, and then the one last thing I will say that AEW needs to do: get rid of that ugly ass women's championship belt because that thing, God, is hideous. It is god awful. But that's all I'll say you know, about that. I can't think of what it looks like right off the hand. Uh, let me look this up while you're oh, talking about oh, it. Oh, oh, dude. Okay, when they said that, like they, like when they revealed the AEW title, it's just like any Jesus, other title. That thing is horrendous. Exactly. But when they talked about the throw a- it in the garbage. Yep. Yep. Somebody call Medusa and have her have her throw it in the garbage because that thing is terrible. Oh my god. Like, like, like when they when they when they when they were talking about the you know AEW world like, title. Bro? What's that? That's like you remember how like there used to be like them off-brand like wrestling action figures. Yes, that looks like one of their championship belts. So it really does. Like... It really <laughs> does. And you know what the worst part is? You know who helped design that belt? No, nah, who? Brandy Rhodes. Yikes. Well, yes, and she should maybe get more input next time. That's all I can say. She should get less input next time if she helped design that thing. Because, like no, I'm saying she should get more input from people. She should she should have less input on it and get more people that know what the hell they're talking about. Because, like that nonsense. Because is ugly. Because the thing is, is if you look at the first AEW Women's Champion Riho, that belt was too big for her. It's a small belt. Then when you look at Nyla Rose, that belt was too small for her. The only person that's worn about that it's actually halfway decent on is is Hikaru Shida. And the problem is it's still hideous, but she actually, but it's not like Riho where Riho had to like get to the very last snap where Nala Rose couldn't wear it and where but Hikaru Shida can actually wear the belt and it looks good. Like Seriously, it it doesn't even look good on her though. Like it's oh, still, it doesn't it look good. Like, at, you know, oh, the belt's hideous. <laughs> but like, if you saw pictures of Rio with the belt, you no, know, and you saw Nyla Rose with the belt, you'd be like, 
Nyla, you got to carry that. Miho, that barely fits you. Hikaru, it actually goes around your waist. So, like, that, oh, that's ridiculous, Steve. Listen, are you kidding me? Oh, they say, what were they thinking with this belt? They say, because if you look at the AEW world title, it took some, like, say, like, like a lot of titles, it takes some getting used to. I say, I say the best looking belts that AEW has are the tag titles, and the second, and then, like, after that, it'd be the TNT title, then the world title. And if I could not rank the women's title, I wouldn't. I, w- I would make sure the women's title was ranked like so low that it was in the garbage can. Because uh, the, FT- the FTW title looks good. You know? I mean, for goodness sakes, being the elite, Brand- Brandon Cutler revealed a belt for being the elite, and it looks better than the women's title. So. Please, can we get a new women's belt? Like, I'm not a fan of changing the belts all that often, but they need a new women's title because that thing is hideous, it's horrendous. But they may not they they won't listen to me because like I say I can create a shoot, let me let me use shoot, let the AEW video game come out. Let me create a new women's belt because I will create it right there. I'll take a picture, I'll tweet it to Cody, to Kenny, to Tony Khan, and say that's what a women's title needs to look like. And then go about I mean, it, cause cause we've seen the NWA women's title on AEW. Guess what? That looks good. And you're going I mean, to. I don't know if I listened to you either. You was a guy talking about you fight Tyrone Woodley in his prime. I'll still fight him. No, stop, stop. But now, but oh, but but I don't want to. I, I don't want to sound as silly as Little Wayne out here trying to talk about he met with Donald Trump and he's gonna make the platinum plan work. Like, oh God, you're an idiot. <laughs> hey, hey, but 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 the main fight, I don't even want Tyrone Woodley no more. Nah, there's only one other person I want to fight. Covington. Look, I would get behind that, except. My issue is, is that he's a trained fighter, and you, sir, are not. But I've been smoking I'll, for years. I'll, I have heart. Look, no doubt you have heart. Nobody's disputing that. All I'm simply saying is, it's, uh, you fighting him is probably not a good decision. Well, I'm issuing the challenge. Kobe Covington, come see me sometime. I'm in Illinois. I don't care where you at. Come see me. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Thank you for for listening to Inside the Cage. Hey, you can listen to to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Also, please be sure to follow the Inside the Cage Instagram, and that's Inside the Cage with two eyes at the beginning. Also, follow us on Facebook. And if you want us to cover a topic, let us know. But also follow me and Jerome on our socials. Jerome. Go ahead, throw your shows out there. Uh, everything's at Jay Spanda, man. Y'all, you all know what I look like. You see that handsome face on all my socials. And while we're in delusional land, and like I say, make sure that. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. No, you're not. But in the meantime, if you want to <laughs> see my beautiful face, if you want to see my beautiful face, please follow me at. T Campbell underscore ITC on Instagram and also the real trade camp on Twitter because a, 
ain't nobody ain't nobody real like the real Trey Camp. But in the meantime, thank Nope. He's crazy. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for for listening to Inside the Cage. Please make sure that you that you, that you share this with, like, say, your friends, your family, people that you might think would enjoy the show. Oh, because, like, say, we're just two hardworking young men trying to trying to entertain you. And hey, if we eventually get paid for this, that's always good. But let's say, but hey, we're still gonna keep doing it whether we get paid or not. Because guess what? We have opinions. We want them to be heard, and people are listening. So in the meantime. Um, the good Reverend Terrell Campbell. Oh, Jesus. He's really going with this. And I'm your man, Jerome Spam. People, go out and vote. All right. And thanks once again for being locked inside the cage.